What's up, everyone? This is Cliff, host and producer of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, along with my co-host, Buddha. Our normal episode releases are on Tuesday nights. However, I've decided to release episode 62 several days early. The reason is our featured guest, Glenn Wood, will appear in Japanese court on Wednesday, October 9th, for a matter that you'll learn about in this episode. And he needs your support. Glenwood was a highly successful executive with Mitsubishi UFJ Morgan Stanley in Tokyo. However, his career with this company took a rocky turn, which led to him being demoted and then fired without compensation. There are several ways you can support Glenn. After listening to this episode, please check out the links in the episode description for details. Here's episode 62, Paternity Harassment. This is Lee Oihara, host of The House of Life NYC, and you're listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. All right, here we are back for another episode of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast from Shibuya, Tokyo. Today, for this episode, we are not in the mobile man cave. Also, co-host Buddha cannot make it today, so I'm doing this one solo. All right out of uh, Noah Studios in Shibuya, okay? All right, so today's episode, uh, I wanted to share a story, a very unfortunate situation that somebody has been through, and um, we're going to let him introduce himself and get into the story. It's good to be here today. Uh, Glenn Wood is uh, my name. And just a brief introduction, as you know, I've been in Japan for about 30 years, and uh, I've been working in financial services for a long time. And I love Japan. You know, Japan is, is really my home. And needless to say, uh, although I've heard lots of stories in the past, I was, I was really shocked with what happened to me. Basically, my son was born prematurely in 2015. And I'd applied to take paternity leave, which was rejected. And then eventually I was harassed and then fired because of it. Yes. And I've been following your story, Glenn. Um, I would like to give a shout out to uh, Rochelle Kopp for connecting us. All right. Um, and, and yes, it's very unfortunate. And I'm, I'm appreciative that you, you know, you were able to come on and share your story with us. It's good to be here. Thanks very much. And yeah. thanks to Rochelle as well. Yes. OK, so um, now in Japan, well, in English, the word is paternal paternity harassment, excuse me. But in Japanese, it's pata, patahara, right? That's correct. Okay, and this type of treatment seems to be surfacing a lot lately. Recently, I read some other articles with uh, Japanese uh, men as well going through the same thing you you went through. What's it been like? Oh, gosh, it's been hell on earth. You know, you've got, um, not only as a new parent, you know, you've got all the struggles of trying to adapt and, and learn how to be a parent. At the same time, you know, whether it's, a, whether it's a man or a woman who applies for paternity leave or maternity leave in Japan, Typically, you know, if you're a woman, you get you get put on a mummy track and end up losing your career and, and perhaps just get harassed and fired as well. And as a man, well, it's 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 just an act of treason. So, uh, you know, you you um, it, it's in the data. Uh, I don't need to really explain, but the very small percentage of men take ad, take uh, advantage of the legal rights they have to take paternity leave, and the very few men who do, research shows uh, they get harassed and fired. So you think that's a direct result because they they don't want to go through the harassment, they just don't take it? 
at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're in a society now in Japan where both the men and the women, women have to work in order to support the family. So you can imagine as a young couple what your choices are. You know, you want to have kids, you want to have a family at the same time. You both need to work. And, and both the mother and the father realize, gosh, if, if, we have a, if we have a baby, if you take paternity leave, you're going to lose your job. If I take maternity leave, I'm going to lose my job, which means we're down to one income plus costs have skyrocketed because you now have a baby. Um, economically, it, it just makes it very, very tough. And at the end of the day, you know, what we're talking about here is uh, human rights, right? The, the yes. right to have children and continue your career. And that, I would argue, is a universal human right. Exactly. So being that you, you knew this was a problem in Japan, right? Paternity, um, harassment. What were your thoughts before putting in for leave? Were you worried, concerned about the repercussions? Absolutely. So I was, I was quite worried, actually. My son was going to be born overseas, so I knew there was a period of time where I was going to have to take some time off. My partner was working overseas at the time, and as a result, you know, I, I, was, I was very worried about it. But actually, I was, I was also quite shocked, even though, I, you know, maybe I was slightly naive, but I was shocked that the company at, at first kind of didn't even acknowledge they had a program. And then uh, they, they just put up roadblock after roadblock. You know, you don't have this document, you don't have that document. At the end of the day, the maternity and the paternity leave law in Japan is very simple. It's a one-page application, and basically anybody can apply for it. The, the responsibilities of corporations are twofold. One, they cannot reject your application. And, and two, when you return to work, they have to give you your job back. Unfortunately, in my case, the company didn't do either. How long did you take? Did you take uh, up to, is it up to a year? Max, so, so the law is that you can take up to a year. And in fact, if then there's not childcare available, you can extend your leave uh, to be more than a year. Um, in my case, you know, I, the, the, the Canadian embassy, I'm Canadian, the Canadian embassy told me that I had to go and apply for a passport for my son. And I had to be there during that process, which, which was probably going to be about a month. And so I, I initially thought I was going to take about a month. Um, and again, I was very concerned about my career. I was concerned about the company. Um, so again, it was just it was just a shock to see these applications rejected. And then um, you may have read that my son was born prematurely. Yes. So it was kind of a life or death situation. And that that you know, I went to the company and said, "This is it. You know, are you going to approve it or not?" And even even then, the the application was not approved. Wow. And and. On, on what grounds? Like, what, what did they actually say? What was the reason for it? So there were a number of reasons. And looking back, you know, at first, I didn't even want to think of the word harassment. You know, I'm, I've been working in Japan for a long time. You know, you hear these rumors of people being harassed or, you know, in, in the bubble years, you might have heard people being locked in the basement with the light turned off to, to, try, and, to try and get them to quit type of, type of scenario. But, you know, I, I was trying to be realistic and... and, and but, but frankly, when it, when it happens to you, it was, it was a real shock. And, you know, I, the circumstances were, were such that I really didn't have a choice. And the excuses from, from almost any perspective seemed very strange. You know, one of the excuses, for example, that they used at the beginning was I didn't have a boshitecho. And a boshitecho is the maternity handbook that, that Japanese hospitals or the Japanese local governments give to pregnant women when, when they get pregnant. So, you know, obviously I'm not a woman and I wasn't pregnant, so I couldn't get one. Yes. And, and, and you know, it was, it was just very obvious what sort of process they were going through. And then uh, the more it, it progressed and the more I realized that, you know, that they're now using this as an excuse to kind of push me aside and, and segregate me, ostracize me, and then eventually fire me, it all seems um, 
you know, in retrospect, it seems very obvious what was going on. So uh, what what did you do after that? Did you say, okay, um, did you like go research this and, and then present whatever documents to them like, hey, this is the law basically? Exactly. Yeah, I did a lot of research and I had uh, friends recommend me to family lawyers and things like that. And again, the law, as I mentioned, is very simple and it's very clear. Um, and one of the first things the lawyers said to me and even wrote me an email that basically says, you know, you're being discriminated against and you're being harassed. And, you know, at that point, I really had to think deeply about it and, and at the end, obviously, agree with the lawyers. Um, but, you know, this comes, this comes down to kind of a basic principle that, you know, it's time for change in the workplace in Japan. You know, I love Japan. I love Mitsubishi. I love my job. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if people can't have children to continue their careers, if people can't, for example, get ill and, and have a surgery and then come back to work, then, then that's a basic violation of what I think are universal human rights. And I think companies really need to take a long look at that, especially companies like Mitsubishi who, who have dreams of being global. Yes. Um, like you said, as you said, you, your son was born prematurely. Um, now, you know, of course, that's a, a hard thing to get through. And, and then you come back to work. Right. And I, I, according to your article, you were there about two years, but you, you like endured all this mistreatment. Um, can you describe that, how they were mistreating you? Sure. Um, so I joined the company in 2012. And, and so I'd already been there uh, for three years, basically. And uh, when I came back to work from paternity leave, the very first day I was, I was told, you know, your job is being taken away from you. You're not going to be doing this anymore. You're going to be doing this instead, which, which frankly, I was flabbergasted. Um, I, I'd built an incredible business for them, uh, a profitable business, and I'd rebuilt a global team. So I was managing people globally, and my valuations in the corporation were extraordinarily high. Um, and the numbers behind what I'd done were very clear. And yet uh, somehow they made this determination that because I'd committed treason, I'd done something that was kind of against their, their rules, unwritten rules maybe, um, that I was to be punished. And indeed, that's, that's what happened. So I wasn't invited to meetings. My, my job in general was completely changed. Um, you know, things were kind of hidden from me. Interviews were hidden from me. I was I was taken away from the day to day process of being able to succeed at my job. Were you like being uh, ignored at work by like people who would usually talk to you? Maybe of course, yeah. yeah. So the boss wouldn't answer the phone. Um, you know, it was just just kind of standard harassment operating yes. procedures out of you know something that you would you would hear about or see about in a movie or something. And so it was. Uh, it was shocking. And eventually, uh, you know, they tried to lower my salary. They tried to demote me. And then when I wouldn't accept that, eventually they, they fired me. And as we discussed earlier, you know, the reason they gave for firing me was because I said I was harassed. And that's another reason why I feel that this case is so very important because basically it means that, you know, if there's a young lady on the team, and in the past there have been, um, that raised her hand and said I was sexually harassed. You know, there's no third-party evaluation. There's no whistleblower protection. That that woman then is is ostracized. The company makes uh, some unilateral determination that she's evil and she's committed treason and that she's crazy and that she's lying. And because she's lying, well, she can no longer be an employee. So she gets fired. And that principle behind workplace harassment is something that I really feel is an extraordinarily important part of my case. For that's the reason that the company gave for firing me, was they said that I'd lied, 
that there was no harassment, that I made it all up. And so, and so that's why they were firing me. I was reading that there were, uh, I believe there, were, there was a Japanese guy who worked for ASICS, who kind of went through pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, went, went on paternity leave, came back, and, and was demoted, and, you know, his whole job changed. And, yeah, so it seems to be, I guess, routine. Um, what seems to be, like, really clear to me is that the law says one thing, and Japanese work culture says another. Law, I guess, is kind of an afterthought in Japan, really. If you think of kind of the 4,000 years of Japanese history, um, the whole idea of having laws is is kind of something, I think, that, that the culture is still getting used to. As a result, you know, you have, you have the legal system, but corporations, uh, the elite of society, um, all of these are kind of above the law. So um, the fact that, yeah, we've had this paternity and maternity and, and uh, parental care is also included in that law that's been around for over 20 years now in Japan. The fact is is that most corporations don't follow that law and it's not enforced. So at the end of the day, people can be harassed and fired for what we would call basic human rights issues. How has the support been? Are any like colleagues secretly supporting you and rooting for you? And Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, many people internally at the firm are saying, yeah, don't please don't don't stop because things are getting better that, because you're doing this. The company is being, uh, you know, for better or for worse is, you know, is, is being forced to make changes because of this case. So for that for that reason, I'm very, very grateful to all those who have reached out. Um, as you know, we have an online petition um, that basically is calling calling for zero tolerance uh, policies for harassment in the workplace in Japan and zero tolerance um, for abuse uh, of any kind, as well as looking at the importance of people uh, having having universal human rights. So, being being able to example, there was there was a girl on on the team who had a tumor in her throat, and she had to have surgery, and she reported it to the company, and, and the doctor said, yeah, she'll she'll be off for about three weeks. First day she came back to work, she was fired. And and again, it's it's very similar, um, very similar line of thought, right? If if you know, do, do people have a right to to continue their careers if for some reason they should fall ill? Do people have a right to continue their careers if they become parents? And and I believe very strongly that the answer to those questions is yes. Okay. What has been? Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you've looked into this. Of course, this happens often, but what has been like the judicial precedent for these type of cases do people usually win versus the company in terms are, are of they compensated or you know that type of thing? sure yeah. yeah no it's a good question in terms of paternity harassment in particular there's very few precedents that, that we found so from that perspective this case could really set a, a good precedent for all of japan and i think the world is watching especially as we move into uh, the olympics next year you know people are people are focused on japan the whole world is looking at japan and people are thinking, yeah, this harassment problem, it's a little bit outdated. Japan's a little behind the curve here. And so uh, we're really hoping that, that, the, that the court, you know, I've, I've asked the court, I've begged the court to take a close look at this and make sure that, that they're getting the information that they need to make, to make a decision uh, that, that is literally going to affect uh, perhaps millions of people. Why, why fight this? I know you're passionate about this, you know, and it's, you want to change things. And you want things to get better, but why not just say, "Hey, I'm going back home. Pack my bags. I've had enough of this place." Yeah, no, that's a good question too. You know, I I really like Japan. I've been here for a long time. I lived with Japanese people, and uh, you know, 
many Japanese people I call family. You know, my my mom and my dad are Japanese, right? I call them I call them my mom and my dad. They're the people that my my son refers to as his grandparents. You know, I I love this I love this country, and I love the companies. I, lo- I love I love Mitsubishi. At the end of the day, though, um, as a manager, I saw this happening not only to me but to many other people. And just by doing a little bit of kind of uh, initial preliminary type of digging, you know, I found I found twenty some people that had gone through something similar, and the company had either settled with them or they'd they'd come to to some sort of agreement. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, harassment is never an acceptable form of management. That's um, I think that's very very clear. And if if that's your your go to method of management, then you're going to have a real problem as a corporation going forward to. One, go global, or, or, or two, to hire people, um, and three, to motivate people, or to, to run some sort of efficient business. Uh, you can't do that by managing people by harassment. Yeah, definitely not a good thing. And, you know, like I said, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you came and shared your story on, on this podcast because, you know, a couple episodes ago we had Rochelle on, and, you know, we briefly talked about workplace harassment but this is a very uh, particular and, and detailed case and, and I, I definitely appreciate you for, for sharing it it's great that you know a lot of corporations have reached out to me and have said you know can you do some risk harassment uh, assessment for us in other words they want to look at the the risk that they're facing as a corporation um, vis-a-vis harassment in the workplace because it is a really big risk for corporations, not only with lawsuits, but as I mentioned earlier, to be able to hire people, to be able to expand globally, to, to have a healthy, kind of efficiently run business. You can't do that with this overhead uh, risk uh, that, 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 that you're carrying. And so, um, you know, it's really encouraging to see corporations approach us and say, can you come in and kind of do some third-party consulting for us, some third-party uh, risk harassment scenarios for us to see what kind of risk we're facing, and it's it's huge. It's huge. Um, if you have a company, you know, with with ten thousand people, you've got typically you've got a, a large percentage of of employees that feel some sort of harassment, and at any at any point in time, they could come forward with a lawsuit or or something where the company is is going to have to spend a lot of time and energy to deal with that. And so that that's been really encouraging. The other thing I would mention. Um, just briefly, is that you know we're we're looking at launching an ESG fund, um, and ESG, as as you may know, stands for environmental policy, social policy, including harassment policy, and G is for corporate governance, and and it's it's a way for investors to kind of uh, evaluate corporations that are not only profitable but that are adding value to society. And at the end of the day, that's that's the heart of capitalism for corporations that are not just making money by firing all the pregnant women, but by um, actually adding value to society, not damaging the environment and being transparent. At the same time, they're being profitable. And by, by having an ESG fund that allocates capital to those types of corporations, it's a great correctionism, correction mechanism for uh, capitalism, I believe. And, and I'm very hopeful that that will produce change. Well, you know, and I guess the good thing is, like you said, you have companies reaching out to you um, for like risk assessments, right? And are these Japanese companies, Japanese Japanese, or like international? There's both, both. Um, um, but but I would say I would say uh, yeah, close to fifty fifty actually. Corporations, okay. both sides that are struggling with doing business in Japan, I think, for for a global company, or domestic Japanese companies that are increasingly having having trouble hiring people. 
um, and realize when when they look at my case, and as you mentioned, now there's 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 several other cases that have come forward. They're saying, "Gosh, maybe we need to take a good look at this and see what kind of risk we're facing." And I believe very strongly that that by having us do that type of third party evaluation, that we can dramatically lower the risk for corporations. Great. I've often wondered what is it going to take for certain things to change here, and, and you know, there's some other things that uh, I, I know about, and um, that's made the the news went viral and all that stuff. And, and your story has now gone viral, New York Times, right? Um, what do you think is going to make them change? Is international uh, shame enough? What is it going to take? Yeah, that's a very tough question to answer. But I, I, I sincerely hope that it's a combination of, you know, necessity to change so that now with a decreasing population, with, with mothers and fathers denied their universal human right to have children and continue their career, with children being denied the right to spend time with their fathers, um, with, with women being denied the right to not be sexually harassed. I, I, I'm very hopeful that I think as these issues come to the surface, that this isn't just global pressure, but there's enough domestic pressure and there's enough Japanese people that are standing up saying, you know, this, this just isn't right. You know, I don't want my daughter to go to a big company and be sexually harassed and then be fired because of it. I don't want my children, I don't want to be have a family without grandchildren because some corporation wouldn't wouldn't allow my children their legal rights to paternity or maternity leave. I think um, that along with, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the investment side of it, the ESG type of investing, where even GPIF and Japanese pension funds are actually investing in this way now. I think, I think that, that flow of, of funds will also create and demand change. If, if the cost of equity of corporations gets, gets so high that it makes it difficult for them to do business without stopping harassment, then I, I'm, I'm confident that, that that will also drive some change. We're also, um, I've also written a book, uh, which is in English and Japanese, which kind of highlights my experience and what happened, as well as the experiences of others, and, and gives some solutions in there as well. And I'm very hopeful that um, through publications like that and people beginning to, to feel like it's okay to talk about these things that I think will make progress. We have a lot of foreigners working here in Japan. What advice would you give them uh, in this situ- you know, if they're in this situation or, or if they're considering having kids? Of course, they could buy your book. But um, just for the record, what, what is some good advice for people well, working uh, and living here? In any culture, in any country, there's positives and negatives, no matter where you are no matter what job you're in, there's always things that you like and things that you don't like. And overwhelmingly, there's so many things I love about Japan. That's why I'm here. That said, if there's things that, um, that you really uh, struggle with, that you really can't live with, there's all sorts of resources. There's all sorts of people you can talk to. And that's probably the first step. You know, there's Tokyo English Lifeline, as you may know, which is a great resource to reach out to. Uh, we're starting a page on Patreon.com, which I'd invite people to take a look at. And that's, and that's where people can, can put some money towards helping victims and families of victims so that, so that we have resources when people, when people call or when people need legal assistance and so on and so forth, um, that we can direct that, that traffic and we can, we can help people in, in solving this issue case by case. Um, I don't think there's, there's probably one big band-aid that covers everything. But when you do have problems, there are resources in Japan. There are people to reach out to. Um, I'm happy to talk to people about my experience and what happened. And I think, I think by people stepping up, you know, as I mentioned earlier, our online petition, we've got about 6,000 people now that have signed up. 
um, saying that I signed know, as well. So yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. And 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 please, if the listeners, if anybody out there hasn't signed yet, please go to um, go to change.org and look for our petition, which basically is a zero tolerance policy for workplace harassment. Um, you know, we're just asking corporations, you know, this isn't something that, that is negative for corporations. It's, it's the opposite. By embracing this type of zero tolerance policy, it's going to be easier to hire people. It's going to be easier to become global. It's going to be um, easier for you to raise capital at the end of the day. Um, and, and so I would really encourage people to take a look at um, both Patreon.com, our, our page there, as well as the petition at change.org. Um, and, and, you know, as we talked about uh, before we started this recording, our next court date is October 9th, coming up very quickly. And I'd really encourage um, everybody to come out to the courthouse, Tokyo District Court, on October 9th. Uh, by people being there, just being present, um, it, it sends a very strong statement. Uh, the media will be there. Uh, there'll, there'll be uh, union representatives there. It, it sends a really strong statement to corporate Japan that the age of harassment, the age of being able to harass people is coming to an end. And I think that's really what our focus is. Great, man. Great, great. Um, is there anything else you would like to share before we get out of here? Well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, th- th- this isn't about me, right? And I think that's, that's a really important point here that I've, I've continued to stress. Now, you know, I've, I've received literally tens of thousands of messages from many Japanese people, about 60% of the men just saying, you know, same thing happened to me or don't stop. I wasn't able to spend time with my kids because of these types of policies. Please don't stop. Wow. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I think that that's where it, it really is important to me. You know, when my, when my son looks back um, at history and, and looks at the homepages and looks at the statements I've made, I want him to be proud of, of what I've done. And, and I strongly believe that we're on the right side of history here. Awesome. 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 Well, you know, once again, I'd like to thank you for sharing your story. And, and coming on the podcast and good luck to you i'm rooting for you yeah i'm pretty sure most of our listeners will be rooting for you so uh thank you thank you very much it's great to be here and if if any of the listeners have any follow-up questions they can contact me again uh, facebook linkedin patreon.com uh com is also our homepage. they can also um catch us on the petition I'll, so, I'll add all those links into the fantastic yeah I really appreciate your, your support and all your listeners' supports. Thank you very much. All right. That's it from Shibuya Tokyo, Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbean.com. Or you can head straight to Google and type in Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can stream or download podcasts.